Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Season 5, Unadaptable, Episode 6, Blood and Guts in High School, by my second favorite, Kathy, who acts. <laughs> Kathy Acker. I'm Joey Lewandowski. What up? I was talking to our friend Egg, and I said to her, I can't wait until I say, Tulsa, what's this book about? And she says, I miss Shreds. Oh, yeah. And I say, I never know who's walking in my house. Shred's dead, baby. Shred's is dead. Shred's. <laughs> He's stung to death by bees. Just like Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So here's a thought. Before, well, do I want to save the thought? Say it. No, say the thought. Okay. Before we talk about what this book is about. Yeah. I had this thought while reading it. And I want to know, I'm trying to think, there's not, a, there's not an answer to this question. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how much of the books that I read... And what I enjoy and what I will tolerate and what I will seek out has to do with just my tastes and how much of it is because the last five years of what I've read, basically, three or four years, whatever. And beyond that, like most of the books in my adult life that I've read are because of you. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if I had read this before I knew you, I would have been like, what the fuck is this Mm -hmm. book? Yeah. But I think directly indirectly inadvertently whatever you have sort of paved yes the road for transgressive fiction mm-hmm. and experimental fiction mm-hmm. in a way where i'm like i have no idea really what i think of this book i don't know what star rating to give it on goodreads yeah but i enjoyed it i think it's ambitious and i liked i liked it more than i like i, I didn't dislike it but i'm just like I don't know like what to make of it. So I but, think, but but in some ways you have the scaffolding to analyze it. Yes, right. Because I'm a fucking teacher, baby. <laughs> That's what's going on. I have not bought you any hockey jerseys, though. All right. Um, we don't we, we don't want to lay breadcrumbs for Tulsa's real life. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> anyway, Tulsa, what is fucking dog the bounty hunter out here going to come get me? <laughs> Your name is in places I can't take your name off of, so it's fine. But what is Blood and Guts in High School about? Yeah, that's a, a really, really complicated question that has a lot to do with um, Kathy Acker herself, I think. Mm-hmm. So so Blood and Guts in High School is about uh, the female body. Okay, I, I I think I think that is primarily what it's about. I was joking to Egg. I was like, "You were just going to say it's a coming of age story." <laughs> yeah, full stop. I, well, I mean, in some ways it is mm-hmm. right, but you have like it's it's also broken down into like three sections. Let's see if let's see if you think of these these as the same three sections as me. You have um, the first section, which is a relationship story between Janie and her dad. Yeah. And the dad functions both as um, incestuous rapist and also stand in for just like regular long distance boyfriend. Yep. And well, there's a line where she's like, I had no mother. He is my boyfriend, father, brother, sister, mother. But he's everything. Yeah, there's there's you, you run into this this indication that he might not really be her father. Um, that she, that he is her boyfriend that is acting out, um, like a father fantasy for her, right? The same way that people say like daddy and shit in, in, in like a, in like a sexual way. But this novel also starts off with saying she's 10. Yeah. Right. This is, 
we'll we'll okay, we'll, okay. we'll loop back around on that. Um, or um, the other way around, where he is uh, literally her father, and she is enacting a boyfriend fantasy on him in in a uh, like um, Freudian kind of way. Mm-hmm. Or there is the darkest of both of those worlds, where both of those things are literally true, and he is both her father and her lover or her whatever incestuous yeah. rapist. Uh, all, all, and all of that is to is to is like we're primed with for that information with this idea that she is 10, 11, 12, 13 years old when this book is taking place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the extreme sexual content in it, which is like not only is it is it written about, but there's pretty like uh, crude drawings. Crude, crude crude is a good word for it because they're not they're not it's not drawn well. It's, right. it's not drawn. It's drawn like a notebook drawing that you would doodle in high school. Um, of of vaginas, of penises, mm-hmm. of of all sorts of stuff like that. So you have that, and it plays out in a very um, almost like there's that extreme content, extreme labels to content that is like not terribly extreme because it actually plays out sort of similarly to a regular long distance relationship with jealousy and things like that. Just going like, you actually love this other girl. You don't love me. When will I see you again? Will I ever see you again? You're Mm -hmm. distant. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you just like relabeled everything in it, it would be like, this is like, whatever this is like, it's, it's not, it's not anything that, that exists in any sort of transgressive space at all. I, so Within the framework of this module, this season, we're talking about adaptable, unadaptable. This is part of the unadaptable series. And I messaged you, I think, when I started reading this. I was like, basically every page, the first five or ten pages, there's something new. It's like, this is why this can't become a thing. And it's not just content and tone. Like, apparently Germany completely banned this book. Like, they just, maybe more than whatever. Um, But it's like in tone, in style, in vulgarity, but also in like the way that they're writing with like parentheticals, like it's like a screenplay almost or like a, like a, like a, a book for like a play. Yeah. I want to say like, I, I guess like I'm comfortable calling this whatever anyone wants to call it, whether mm-hmm. it be a novel or whatever, but like I, it, really it's a collage. That's what the, that's the word I think wiki maybe uses. That pro, that makes collage. Sense. Um, I mean, it's similar, it's similar to the William Burroughs stuff, but like maybe in a, in a, in a different way. Cause it's adding, uh, I'm not that familiar with Burroughs, but like it's adding in, um, it's adding in like drawings and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, and like, there's a lot of handwritten things in here and maps and, and, and there's her like learning languages and like there's poetry and there's all different, like yeah. and there's handwriting and there's like, or a font that looks like handwriting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I bring that up is like one of these very early things, like why you can't adapt this is because like the, the, the specific context of saying she's 10 and like talking the way she does and doing the things she does in the situational context of like her relationship with her father. It's like, this is, like yeah. there's no punches pulled from the very jump. And right. There's like, the, what, the, yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, uh his cock goes in my red cunt and things like that. And it's not it's it's not for the for the easily uh yeah, you know, offended, I guess. And so I think cuz what you're saying is true. Like if there was a different context if she was like 25 and this guy was like 27 or whatever, uh, none of this would seem like risque. It'd be like, oh, like this is just like a realistic depiction. Well, I, think, I also think there's a way to do this. The, just this very first section, if you if you did it with an actor in the way that they did like Pen15, where you have an adult playing a child, 
Um, and or or have a director like you know like Lucas Moodison has done stuff like this that, before. What's he done? Um, uh, Lila Forever. Uh, oh, whole, yeah, I know about whole, that. I haven't seen that. Whole, okay. I, did he do a one called Hole in the Heart? Hole in the Heart. Uh, we're, he did. He did like a kind of nice one called We Are the Best. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that's like I, that was on the shortlist for a draft we just did. But that, but that's, did. Yes. that's like a feel good movie, yes. right? And and his like original stuff, like Lila Forever, like uh, Fucking Them All is another okay. one. Like those are not. So it's all, but it's all like sort of like teen tween sort of centric, Extr- extreme okay. content okay. that has like hypersexual. Okay. Um, and and. You could, I mean, you could, you could do that, but like, here's the thing. Even if you get past the extreme content, you run into the second section, which is like her learning Persian and. Well, her being sold into sex slavery. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, sure. So she's sold into sex slavery, which again is like toes the line between this idea of literally like she's literally sold into sex slavery Mm -hmm. versus like this rape fantasy. Right. And, and that's another thing. It's like that, that, that's always a touchy thing to, to, to think about. Right. You can't like, and, and like, I think, I think like part of the, the books, I don't want to say pleasures, but part of the books, um, tensions is, is, is like, uh, playing with that dynamism of, of like, this thing is both a fantasy that people want lived out mm-hmm. because it is about like, you know, the fantasy of, of having power taken away. Yeah. And, and it is also like the worst thing that could ever happen yeah. to, to anybody. Right. So, so it's, there's, a, there's a line where she's like, I, she eventually fell in love with the Persian guy mm-hmm. who's raping her every day because like there was nothing else for her to feel. It's just like, and when he's the only person she sees and like he only treats her one way, like that's what you love. It's just like there is like a, such a bleakness to. Yeah. And it's a it's 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 bleak. And it's a, there is like a thing where it's like, you know, there's a quote from later on in the book that says something like not something like because I actually have the quote right here. Um, well, while you pull it up, I think I think it's also like there's three different sections because I think geographically very trisected into three different like it's sort of like europe somewhere and mm-hmm. then america and then tangier but like if you believe that that's all like yeah because like there's no like travel it's just like oh here i am now or whatever right 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 um so it could th- be metaphor again there there's uh three three different quotes that i'll that i'll read uh directly that i think like show like how this is like a book that's about the body mm-hmm. right number one is at this point in my life politics don't disappear but take place inside my body sure right so uh like her politics are the oppressions of the world are being are being played out um literally like inside her uh like inside her vagina which mm-hmm. it, it, and like which is like this like symbol for womanhood which is a symbol for something else which is a symbol for something else so she th- there's like so many different layers to this and then the second is uh sex in america is s&m right sex plus uh, uh, oppression and like mm-hmm. the slavery mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of the women's movement which is like uh the the like bullshit lie of free love in the 60s was like this this lie that like women could go get pleasure now they could like you know, right. the, the, the era of slut shaming was over, but like the reality of that is that even in an era when like, quote unquote, sorry, when slut shaming was quote unquote over, like, which is what she's talking about. I mean, this, this book takes place mostly in the seventies, but like she's, it's, it's reaping the, the, the consequences of, of the late sixties. Like 
even in an era when slut shaming is quote unquote over, like the people that have to deal with the consequences of free love are not men. No. Because men just men can get someone pregnant and fuck off. Right. And just and just leave women behind to continue the 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 role, whatever. So so like that's you know, the, the, this idea of um sex as bondage because free love only exists for men. Like women are in bondage when they're engaging in this idea of freedom. Well, there's a line that I highlighted that says, I'm not trying to tell you about the rot gut weird parts of my life. Abortions are the symbol, the outer image of sexual relations in this world. Describing mm-hmm. my abortions is the only way I can tell you about pain and fear. My unstoppable drive for sexual love made me know. It's just like, this is, this is how I view the thing because this is something I have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the third one, the third one is being in prison is being in a cunt. Having any sex in the world is having sex with capitalism. Well, I think there's also like the entire like part where she's like having a sex relationship with Jimmy Carter. It's like, well, that's, yeah, well, yeah. that's a metaphor, but also, you know, yes. funny, to, not funny, but like funny, no, it is to, funny. funny to think I, about yeah, like I, it being literal. I, I think like it's, it's a mistake to not read this book as a comedy as well. Yeah. Like there's definitely parts in it that are like meant to be really, really funny. Well, she's like, cause she has a relationship with him and she's like, well, I can't go in the white house and we can't just have sex on the street cause yeah. he's Jimmy Carter. So like we can't have sex. Yeah. And she also like hates Jimmy Carter, oh, she, yeah. <laughs> which is like pretty like, like a, a funny thing too. But this idea of like, um, having any sex in the world is having sex with capitalism is this idea of like the body as commodity. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're like, uh, sex is transactional. You're giving of yourself and someone is taking from you. And that's like the very traditional um, linguistic structure of subject verb object. Like he fucked her. Mm-hmm. Right. There is this um, power dynamic, even in the language of that of that sentence that is transferable to all relationships because because like the way we created language was through these power dynamics right and language then feeds back into these power dynamics and and it becomes a cycle of 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 things so it's very um you know she's she's like like all books she's writing about language itself and so yeah that, those are those are the three major quotes that i have that where i th- where i'm saying like i think this is a book that is like primarily about the body um the second part that is that well, I there's think, also there's also a line about language. Sorry, I just want to yeah, mention the wrong language. But there's a line at the very, very end where there's a conversation between like Mr. Fuckface and Mr. Blowjob. Yeah. And Mr. Fuckface says, you see, we own the language. Language must be clearly used and precisely to reveal our universe. And like even mm-hmm. here, I'm just like, yeah, another book about language. Yeah, man. she's I mean, because all books are all books are about language. But the books that we're reading tend to be explicitly about language because like when you t- when, when you introduce more difficult books into the canon, the books become self-reflective. And so they become explicitly talking about language, which makes it easier to analyze the part that's, a, that's about language, but maybe harder to analyze the part that's about other stuff. Well, cause the book, this book is also aware that it's a book. Like it, it yep. like it, it yeah. moves back and forth between mm-hmm. kind of like first person-y or like maybe like, um, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, like I can just, I can sort of differentiate when I'm reading, but I can't describe, but it like, Janie sometimes talking about her experience and then there's sometimes like then Janie walked down the street like it changes like the perspective and it shifts yeah. the focus yeah, and, it and also it's a, and it's epistolary there's yeah. you know her journals are in here her poetry's in here um if you were to adapt it and I don't think again I don't think you can even with the extreme content which there's there's you know there, you, Pasolini exists Gaspar Noe exists yeah um there's lots of extreme content in 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 film 
the middle section with the poetry and the per like that's not you that's not transferable to no. film that exists purely and the idea that it's her handwriting and the idea that it's her like you run into a strain of autobiography that if you were going to put this on film you would have almost like an intermezzo where it was where you had very similar to when we saw Leopoldstadt, you would just have on the screen the document itself. I think tonally it almost couldn't be farther from this, but I think in terms of like the way you present it, mm-hmm. not just that, but like a Wes Anderson type where like <laughs> you just like, now we just see a guy writing a letter or something. Yeah, just yeah. like, well, that we expect that here. Like it's right. imagining Wes Anderson's right, yeah. blood and guts in high school. Yeah. I, I, this is a sidebar. Um, something that I've noticed on, Instagram is people trying to like uh, do like, oh, you better not be pretending like you're in a Wes Anderson movie when you're on the train. And then they do like a thing on the train where it's like they're showing and it's like a the music is like doom, 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 doom. And then they're it's like a Wes Anderson thing, like because they think that they can manipulate, like not manipulate. Um, they think they can. What's the word? Emulate? Emulate his aesthetic so easily. And it's all fucking terrible. It's yeah. so it's so stupid and bad. And it's like, you guys don't know what's good about anything. You don't know what's good about anything. <laughs> like you <laughs> like you think this is so easy, but it's not. There's a reason why he is who he is and you are who you are. Well, just like how it's every director who is good at a thing, like how many shitty pulp fiction knockoffs came out in the 90s? Yeah. It's like you don't know, like just because like the bad guys are cool doesn't mean that like or you think they're cool doesn't mean like the movie is good, but it's just like things are quippy. It's just like there's so many people who it's like, oh, so it's like four by three framing and pastel colors mm-hmm. and like awkwardly awkwardly standing there. Just like, Say, well, yeah, centered, centered yeah. Uh, shots and and like a sort of twee and then people running and then meticulously. De- and it's just like. Yeah, there's no pathos to any of this. No. Like the what's important about Wes Anderson is the pathos like, and it's also, juxtaposed. It's also with, dark and mean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 that stuff juxtaposed with the twist. It's not just the twist aesthetic. Mm-hmm. The twist aesthetic is secondary. Um, but it's similar to okay, so so back to back to the book. Like, if I tried to write this book, or if anybody, like there are probably Kathy Acker emulators out there sure you've never heard of them because it's a failure yeah you can't you 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 can't do it and like this book honestly reading it doesn't seem that hard to write well it's the same thing with like it's the darcy thing it's like i could do this and like you can't do this yeah that's exactly yeah it's like it's, it's like you think that you can you cannot this is accessing a very weird place between extremely raw emotion about very sensitive topics and a like hyper academic look at um literature and uh like the way uh language interferes with all of these things yeah i think so while reading and also in this conversation i can pick out people who i think have likely either read this or would like reading this but like when i was reading it it sort of reminded me of the marie calloway book a little bit okay yeah that makes sense um but also, like, in this conversation, like, thinking about, like, I would not be surprised if, like, Lana Del Rey and Emily Ratajkowski, like, like this mm-hmm. book a lot. Because they both, they're not doing this in this style, but they are, I think that they're interested in similar themes yeah. about womanhood and bodily autonomy and yeah. 
consumerism and all of that. I came to Kathy Acker, I think, through Chris Krause. Do you know Chris Krause? I do not. Okay, so Chris Krause has a a book that I would have said is unadaptable, but got made into an Amazon Prime series with Kevin Bacon called I Love Dick. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that, but I've heard of it. And um, she is like a, a, a big proponent um, of of Kathy Acker. Okay. Um, and, and so like I came, I came to, to Kathy Acker. Is Kathy Acker mostly an essayist? No. Mostly. Okay. She's a a novelist. She's written, you know, a lot of books. Uh, she's a famous plagiarist. Um, she she also admits, she admits to being a plagiarist. Yeah. It's like, it's a part of the like postmodern aesthetic is, is like the remix of other people's, of other people's words, which people in literature are much more precious about than they are in other, in other art forms. You have it in, in, um. You know, in plays, people are always taking from Shakespeare. In 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 uh, in music, I mean, hip hop is always repurposing mm-hmm. and, and and remixing other people's things. And so, but like in literature, if you do it, it's like verboten. You yeah. you, you are, are out of the club. And so, like, there's something very punk about her doing because she is taking she's making it her own. It's not like it's not like it's not it's not like you read. Um, she has, I think, Great Expectations. This is one. She, like, she has a novel called Great Expectations that, like, oh yeah, where it starts off like she's basically like rewriting it. Yeah, and and it's like, okay, but nobody's like gonna go to buy a copy of Great Charles Dickens' Great Expectations for their son and accidentally buy the Kathy. Yeah, this, this is not an asylum films like. Car, car, uh, you know, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Triassic Park. It's like uh-huh. I got you the movie you want. We don't even have to go to the theater. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's no. not. It's 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 very much like a. Well, it's the same thing with the Elif Batamans, the idiot, and mm-hmm. either or. It's just like these are referencing, like you know, maybe it's not directly being like it was the best of times. It was the weirdest of times. Yeah, it's, or whatever it it's, is. It's a um, that's that book, right? Best of times, worst of times. Is that, is that Great Expectations? Um, is that Tale of Two Cities. That's Tale, Tale of Two Tale Cities. Of two cities. <sighs> great Expectations is Pip. And please, sorry, I want some more. No, that's Charles Dickens. Is that it's all Charles Dickens? <laughs> Everything we're talking about is Charles Dickens. Let's get you out. Let's get you out of this conversation and, and, and back. I've read so much more than most people, yeah. and I'm still so dumb. No, no, no. It's a look. There's no. Well, I also haven't like. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever read any Dickens. Uh, he's is great. he in any states? He's British. <laughs> <laughs> but okay very very famously not american <laughs> see previous statement <laughs> so a- so okay so then you idiot <laughs> so after Fucking moron. so you know 45 years from now after we run through the 50 states two provinces and two wild cards and we start doing the countries of the world and you plan out a british mod an english british module would he be in that I mean, I, w- th- there is like a, a a possibility of a module that is just like the Western canon. Mm, okay, and like which which obviously like we would have to like chop and screw that so that it was it, it would have like you know what is like the traditionally academic uh, uh, what people would um, criticize now as being like a white male canon, like mm-hmm. the, the the great dead white male canon. And then like I would, we'd process that by putting in like, like, yeah, but well, like, why aren't we considering um, this like Song of Solomon? Well, that's already considered. Sure. But yeah. Or, or like I we'd have to dig deeper and find like, you know, books from the the 
early 20th century and and like you know just just find stuff that would is is like a diverse array to counterbalance that um which is you know essentially like teaching a survey course of 20th century american literature which um you know whatever it's is the great american novel baby well that's an i mean we've talked about that too the <laughs> oh yeah wait your idea for everything and i'm like okay what would you do <laughs> do you have an answer for my question what was the question what would you pair with the great gatsby oh i don't yeah i haven't thought about it i asked Sh- tulsa almost called you shreds i'm so sorry yeah no shreds dead shreds baby. dead baby i almost Stung i asked Tul- tulsa had an idea for a module and i asked him a question what would you do with great gatsby and then well let's say the idea for the module so they're not complete. well we tease it yeah but it was pairing what's a great american novel with an, a, a contemporary contemporary that matches it in theme and so I texted, what would you do The Great Gatsby? And I heard nothing for 20 minutes. Like, yeah, many. And you're like, I'm not ignoring you. I'm still thinking. And that was months ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I'm still thinking. So the second part is her in sex, sex slavery, sex trafficking, prostit- forced prostitution. Yeah. And then the third one is her escaping that in Tangier and developing fatal cancer. And also having like a kind of buddy comedy with Jean Genet, <laughs> like, like real writer Jean Genet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Who my dad like abandoned a PhD that he was doing on like on Jean Genet, like in the sixties. That's wild. He was, he was like, he was like, I'm, he was at the fucking Sorbonne studying, like trying to like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I have this story entirely correctly. I know he, he was there and then he, left and came back because his mom got sick and he never completed his whatever. But like my dad, who is like a, was, um, a fucking like fascist, Mm -hmm. fucking insane fascist maniac was like writing his P his dissertation about like this gay French guy. (laughs) Just like, like, Ooh la la, so dad. when you read this for the first time, were you like, hold on, what? Like that, or are you just like... No, no, I mean, I, I know. I mean, I'm familiar with Jean Genet from from my, my childhood, which is a weird thing to say because his books are filled with, you know... Um, perversion? Yeah, I guess you could... I don't know, perversion. Yeah, perversion, sure. Um, and But like also like... You know, complicated questions of idea, but whatever. Sure. Like it's it's not something it's not that like, like, a tw- like a twelve yeah. year old would wouldn't normally know who Jean Genet is. Um, yeah, but uh, like like also you you have to look at it like this. You don't have to. I'm forcing you to. Um, Me specifically? Well, everybody, everybody that's listening, all thirty thousand, thirty k strong. You okay? When 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 you look at Kathy Acker's books, I think this is true across all all of her novels. Every single man is either a pimp or a rapist or both. I think that that's true across the board. So and and but Jean Genet is not that. And Jean Genet is a gay male, mm-hmm. and uh, he's often just in here. Um. They don't say Jean Genet, they just say Genet, mm-hmm. which is a malaprops for Janie. What does that mean? Uh, malaprops is, is uh, uh, words that sound similar that can be confused. Okay, like okay, a, a malapropism. okay, okay. So Janie, Genet, Genet. Uh, and, and like I'm going to allow the fact that they're, or, or you know, 
put forward the fact that they, they, she is Janae is her double. Okay. Right. He is the writer that she wishes that she she could be. Sure. Um, largely because he does not have the um, body that she has. Sure. Right. So he's not subject to the the various capitalistic monopolies of women's bodies. Right. But he is still like you. You get the sense that Janie loves Dick. She just like fucking loves. She talks about it all the time. Sex with men. Yeah. She loves all. And and Jean Genet as a gay man is an idealized version of herself where she no longer has to deal with the terrors of being a woman. But can still have sex with men. Being subject to all of these um, slaveries and mm-hmm. rapes and incests and, and power dynamics within relationships. And he's also a, um, a, a, a great writer mm-hmm. who exists in a space in society, which is like transgressive literature that I think she – like seeks to enter. He also says the meanest thing in this entire book to her. What is it? What is it? The hierarchy is parentheses. Janae has to explain the nature of the social world to her because she's American. Rich men, poor men, mothers, beautiful women, whores, poor female and neo-female, slut scum, Janie. And I'm like, <laughs> right. Whoa. Right. But I think, I think that is that's that how thing. she feels. She thinks about yeah, herself. That yeah. is that thing of like anything that you could say that, is mean to me. I have already said to myself in the mirror. Yeah. There is nothing you can tell me that I haven't already told myself. So I think I think that that is what's going on here. And um, you also have uh, Kathy Acker because I think you are also. It, it would be a flaw to view this book as anything other than autobiography, even if nothing in it is true. Like I think Kathy Acker is writing about herself, even though sadly. Both she and Janie die of cancer. This is what I'm saying. Because Kathy Acker had a lifelong obsession with cancer. Okay. Right? And I think she died from uh, breast cancer. She did. Um, so she, she like, is creating, like, a predictive model of her own life here by afflicting Janie with, with uh, cancer, which is c- complicated in certain instances, especially Janie is – by the end of the book, she's 14, she's 13, she's something like that. It is the body betraying itself, mm-hmm. right? So it's once again, we're talking about the body and we're talking about how her body specifically is something that is rejecting horror. She's rejecting it. Yeah. Um, and so it kills her. And that's the, that, the book ends with her being killed. And then it ends, it, well, it ends more specifically with, the, with this poem, right? Well, so it, the, the last part is Janae and Janie travel through Cairo, through the twin cities of Minya and Esut, down to the city of Luxor. There, Janae hands Janie some money and tells her to take care of herself. He has to go away to see a production of one of his plays. She dies. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little, like a brief little after the, or, you know, afterward where it says, where it ends with soon many other Janies were born and these Janies covered the earth. And, and then the, there was a, there's a poem, there's poem, like a handwritten goes, poem. Yeah. It goes blood and guts in high school. This is all I know. Parents, teachers, boyfriends, all have got to go. Some folks like trains. Some folks like ships. I like the way you move your hips. All I want is a taste of your lips, boy. All I want is a taste of your lips, mm-hmm. which is um, interesting because it's very it, like, like it is, it mimics a uh, poetry that is not, um, 
it it it's not a uh, like academically inclined poetry. It's very much like a, it sounds like a Donna's song. It sounds like lyrics yeah, like a punk rock song. Yeah, or or something that you would write on your notebook in yeah. school, right? This is like a the the, the poetry of a fourteen year old just like jotting something. Because like the, all the poetry that she writes in the middle is like this is Janie's poem. It's all like cl- like in the style of like classic, yeah, old timey, mm-hmm. advanced something to study poetry. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. I, so I love I I love that that as an ending because I like it like returning to this idea of like the raw emotional um, nerve of being in being in high school. I think it's also a wild title because like not a, knowing. Well, first of all, fucking all time great title. It is a great title. all time great title for a book. But I knew nothing about this before I started reading it, and so you have put together a list of books, and I'm like, oh, what? Like I you have a sense of like what it might be. Mm-hmm. And then it's not that at all. And yeah. like, I don't even think she ever really reaches like high school age, maybe in, in right. Europe or wherever, you know what I mean? Like wherever she's based, but you're like, oh no, it's like a story of her like 10 to 13, like middle school. Yeah. No, there, there, there is a world where blood and guts is high school. Blood and guts in high school is like the title of the best Penelope Spheris movie or something, yeah. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or Amy Heckerling movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, like that definitely like could be like, or uh, whatever, you know, I was gonna tell Brian the high school summer party, like, Hey, you have a book to check out. I'm like, I'm not gonna work. He's not gonna yeah, read this no, book. No, yeah, definitely don't read this book. <laughs> no, blood and blood and guts in high school. All time great title though, because it is like high school is a, a lot of like what happens in high school is the outside of like truly tragic events that happen when you're older. It is the most emotionally raw time in your life mm-hmm. when things like all, J- the Janie of the book is going through really horrific things. Yeah, but the extremities of of Janie's emotions. Um, like are things that are, you know, analogous to what happens in high, the emotional reactions you have to things in high school that are not that big of a deal. No, ultimately. but it's, at the time, I feel yeah. like it's, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And also blood and guts in high school, right? You're talking about puberty. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the, the, uh, growing up, changing the shedding of uterine lining. Yeah. Um, all of the, all of these things that are like part of what it means to, uh, become a person, to become a not, not I, I don't want to say it like that because like, obviously, you know, whatever. Um, take that in the spirit in, in which it was meant, not in which, you know, you can overanalyze what I just said right there. We just lost a thousand listeners. Um, but, but like. But gained 4,000. <laughs> not the people we want. Get out of here. Get out of here. Shoo. Go. Get out. Um, but yeah, like it, it, play, it plays on the the rawness of, of what it means to be someone who's growing up is all, is all that I meant. Yeah. Right and 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 the guts that uh, are are like in Janie's circumstance that were once inner become outer. And, sure. And yeah. Do you know that there's a woman or there was I don't know Laura Parnes Parnes who adapted this into a six screen experience in Brooklyn in 2005? I don't know that, but that makes sense because if you're going to adapt this into something, it should be like a like a gallery. Like it, it should be a you know. New York underground performing arts, like with multi screens and like probably someone uh, like with like fluids and things, you know. Each video presents a typical scene in the life of Janie bracketed by U.S. news events from the time period in which the book was written. They undulate through the character's daily experience, informing her adolescent nihilistic worldview and desire for rebellion. As the viewer looks back at these pivotal moments in recent history, Connections are drawn in relation to our current political situation during the Bush era. Yeah, well, well, first of all, I, I wouldn't call her nihilist. Um, Ticket but, price, $6. Yeah. 
That's a that's a good show. I I would go to that for six bucks. That when I when I saw this, I was I read I skimmed through the Kathy Acker wiki and then I read the wiki for Blood and Guts and it said it was adapted. I'm just like oh, and then yeah. it reminded me of the um, adaptation of White Noise that we saw, which is like it's White Noise, but it's not White Noise. Right. But it's it's like this is Blood and Guts, but it's also like. What would she say about Bush if she were still alive? <laughs> yeah, which is like, frankly, I don't, I don't want to judge that person's particular thing because I haven't seen it. But like, my immediate reaction to that sort of thing is, "Fuck off! I don't care." It was at the Galapagos Art and Performance Space in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, it's with the turtles, right? Galapagos. Yeah, all their employees are turtles. Um, so there were two different things I found on the wikis. Uh, so many critics criticize this novel for being demeaning toward women. Germany banned it completely. And then who, who, who? Germany, Germany. Yeah. Oh, G- Germany banned it completely. Okay. I thought, I thought you said someone named Jeremy said it was demeaning. Toward no, women. no, Sorry. just critics in general. Uh-huh. And apparently the German court judgment that banned this, she then published in her novel Hannibal Lecter, my father. Yeah, that makes sense. And then she has a quote that says, quote, while writing it, I never considered that blood and guts in high school is especially anti-male, but people have been very upset about it on that ground. When I wrote it, I think I was in my mind to do a traditional narrative, which swing the miss there, Kathy Acker. Well, it's, it's Renata Adler, too, with Speedboat. Right. Right. She's like, I just want to write a spy novel. I thought it was kind of sweet at the time, but of course it's not. But I just think it's funny that, like, people are like, this book hates women. And then there's people like, this book hates men. It's just like, yeah. Be- well, I, look, I mean, I don't – for for a book to be anti-male, this book is, I think, my read on it anyway, is that it is made up of, like, even if it's not true, it's, it's like, I, I read it as autobiographical. And so, like, if she lives in a world where she, she experiences men as threatening to her because of whatever, um, because of culture at large... Or, or she's dealt with body stuff in, in, in the way that the character does mm-hmm. in, in, in the book. Like, that shit's valid. Like, yeah. she, she is expressing a valid experience of what it means for her to have a body. Um, and, and, and whether or not people want to interpret that as anti, anti-woman is, like, kind of their own, their own gig. I don't – I certainly didn't read it that way. I mean, I, I know that, like, people smarter than me have – smart things to say about things like rape fetishism and stuff like that. And I don't like, I'm lost when it comes to that topic because it's emotionally foreign to me. It is disturbing for me to read about, but it's like probably should read about it because it's because of those things because it's foreign to me and because it's disturbing for me to read. I mean, it's also not the first book this season that's talked about rape fantasies. Like Eileen was filled with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's inherently not like a, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase what I want to say, so I'm just not going to say it. Um, any of your thoughts? Should we read Egg's email? Let's read Egg's email and see if it stirs the pot. Anymore. We have an email address: lottery at cageclub.me. If you want to write in about any book, Meg's reaction to Blood and Guts in high school. This email, Egg says, is hard to write because I feel like whatever I say does a disservice to the work Kathy Acker does. Like the book didn't resonate with me like some of the other books I've read for this podcast. I recognize that my taste is more normy than this book by a lot. Well, I think, I mean, right. Would you say that your taste is more normy than this? No. No? I don't think so. I want weird stuff. Okay. I think we talked about this, I think, a while ago on here. 
when it comes to movies and stuff, I want things I've never seen before because I've seen so much and I'm just like, if it's just right. straight down the middle and it's underwhelming, it feels like a waste of time. Yeah. If it's really bad or really good, I'm going to be more interested just because like it's doing something new or whatever. If it takes a chance, even if it misses, yeah. more interested. Mm-hmm. I haven't read nearly as many books as I've seen movies or whatever, but I think like I would, we might've talked about it on Guile's Goat Boy. That feels like a kind of the time we might have this conversation. Like I, I appreciate ambition in every form yeah sometimes it's not gonna land with me yeah um this worked i think this was i think it was very funny i think it was like weird and dark and like made me uncomfortable but i think that's also the point of it right Mm -hmm. so i i think that it's probably um outside of 97 percent of all readers i think i think you have broken my brain Mm -hmm. in a good way yeah yeah Uh, it's, it's, it's it's the first it's the first Part, it's the first thing we said in this episode about like, yeah, you've laid out this groundwork where I think like had I re- tried to read this three or four years ago, I would not have. Well, I think also like for for me and I think part of what Meg is saying and if the rest of this email contradicts this, I'll be I'll be surprised is that like regardless of whether something is outside of your taste. Like it's still quite important to read outside of your taste because otherwise yeah. you're one of those people who has read. 37 John Grisham novels this mm-hmm. year because it's like that guy does what you like, right? And it's easy to fall into that. I mean, I can fall into that too. There was a year when I read like like 12 Elmore Leonard novels or something like that because it was like, you know, very comfortable yeah. and fun. And I was just like, that's what I wanted to do. Well, we just talked about that today with Douglas Adams, right? It's just like you figure oh, yeah. out like it's just like this guy is amazing. You read like one Elmore Leonard, you're like, this guy gets it. Like yeah, this, yeah, this character yeah. is so funny. This is such good action. Then you're like – Oh, they're all kind of the same thing. Yeah, but I need to and, – and Meg and I have talked about this too where it's like the the blessing for this module specifically is that it tends to go easy book, hard book, easy book, hard book, easy book, hard book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also what I what, – what, what I, the way that I framed that was in a way like book that's easy to figure out how to adapt it and book you're like, I don't know what the fuck this is yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. right? It's like – and it's also like really good book that is like – sort of mainstream, sort of normie, to use Meg's word. Mm-hmm. And then better book, generally, mm-hmm. that is way more challenging, that would take a lot more effort to figure out how to translate to the screen. Yeah, but then uh, then the the easier books give your brain space to, to like, snap back because yeah. they, they generally fall under, like, traditional uh, three-act arcs with mm-hmm. – um, you know, traditional payoffs and, yeah. you know, characters falling in love, falling out of love, yeah. guns, etc. I mean, this is, it's got blood and guts in high school, baby. What more do you want? Yeah. This is the second time I've read this. Egg says, did you know that? Uh, yeah, we talked to, she, I think she read it in grad school. But I didn't retain anything from it. I think I'll probably forget it all by the time this episode airs. Well, I mean, we, 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 we're putting this out live. <laughs> Yeah. I think the reason this book is hard to latch on to for me is because the entire thing is written as an impenetrable metaphor. I think you did a good job of explaining it yourself earlier in what this is about. Did but my best. It's impossible to know what's, quote, real in the context of the book and what's Janie's way of coping and added to that what Acker is doing as a way of autobiography. It's impossible to see this as a purely fictional work when Kathy Acker is on the cover and there are explicit mentions of her within the work of the book itself, in parentheses, as part of a copyright at the bottom of the Map of My Dreams section. It opens up a pretty interesting conversation within the scope of this podcast, specifically because you've had conversations with authors with opinions on this on both sides of the spectrum. 
You've got Adam Levine, who stated that his work was 100% fiction, even though he draws explicit comparisons between his characters himself in the context of the novel. You've got Darcy Wilder, who says that she reads all novels as a sort of autobiography, whether it's, quote, right or not. I think that was Megan Boyle that said that. She yeah. says it didn't go back and listen to either episode, so I might be misquoting one or both of them, but you get the idea. Yeah. I, th- I think that's Megan Boyle that said that she reads it all as autobiography. I don't think I want to make a stance either way, but it feels interesting that you have to this you have this space to have this discussion that's interesting. So good job, guys. I also don't think that, like, I think any piece of art, you can read it however you want. Like, if you want to read this literally, if you want to read this metaphor as, as any kind of metaphor, there's no wrong way to read like, it. Well, cool well about- so, I, like, I think that an important function of new, cri- new criticism has gotten a lot of shit because it, people use it to hide the author from the text because of an author's actions like T.S. Eliot or like Ezra Pound is the go to example. Like Ezra Pound is a fascist and and new criticism is created so that we can read Ezra Pound's work without without having to talk about him being a fascist. Right. And that's that's all that's all fine. And I think those are the legitimate criticism of new criticism. But but new criticism at its best um like says that like close examination of the text, a close enough examination of the text will reveal the meaning of that text to you. When you have something like this, a close enough examination of the text, Meg did that work there, right? A close enough examination of the text reveals Kathy Acker within the, within the maps of yep. my dreams. Yep. And, and you can, you can see the the layers of autobiography. I mean, I think I think it is what I said, where I think that this is a fictional novel that is nonetheless autobiographical, because I think that it is finding ways, like the way that many novels do, to put the obsessions and experiences and opinions of the author on the page mm-hmm. in a way that like not zone of interest doesn't necessarily do. Right. You can, you can, you can look at zone of interest and you can, and you can find, I mean, you can find Martin Amos's opinions in there where it's like the, the details of the Holocaust. Well, that also exist like in the for a guy who writes about Nazis a lot, like there's, yeah. there's, there's, you, you can, you can, you don't even need to know about Martin Amos, but you can look at that and you can, you can read between the lines and figure out what Martin Amos's opinion about the Holocaust right. is not difficult. This is a little more difficult, but I think that it's all there on the page to like discover autobiography within it. If you ask me about this book, if I if I read this book knowing nothing about Kathy Acker, and Meg also makes a really good point that Kathy Acker's photo is on the cover not only of this book, but on the cover of almost every novel she's written. Okay. Is is a photo of her. Um, at least that I've seen. And like I think if I read this book without knowing anything about Kathy Acker at all. I could give you a pretty accurate version of Kathy Acker's life yeah, just by expounding from the text. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a plus, not a minus. Well, when I read the, when I read her wiki or skimmed her wiki or read parts of her wiki, I was like, yeah, this all makes sense. It's just like that's the that's mm-hmm. the vibe I got. Like, I don't think it's it, it was just like, you know, she she entered the nunnery or whatever. She's like, wait, hold on. What? But like, it's like she was like influential in the, the New York yeah, punk like, rock scene or whatever. Just like, yeah, like that makes sense. Like the kind of people she would hang out with, the kind of people she would want to spend time with the mm-hmm. things that she would believe in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something else egg says that I admired about this novel is that it subverts the concept of show. Don't tell most of the book. I'm specifically not calling it a novel, but I don't know what else to call it. So I'm going with book. Did you guys talk about that too? 
is I telling. I mean, collage is what I like. I'm is happy to call it. Telling instead of showing, with there not being a lot of explicit action outside of causing suffering. But it's clear that this is a trick of Acker's rather than ignorance of the typical advice to authors. By doing this work alongside a quote book report of the Scarlet Letter, Acker is acknowledging the canon while also showing how those kinds of novels are too narrow for the work she's attempting to do. Mm-hmm. All in all, this text is very complicated, but I think it's worth reading specifically because it's difficult to make sense of. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about the Hester Prynne stuff at all, and we didn't end up talking about the Jimmy Carter stuff at all. So Jimmy Carter is is like the the avatar of America and capitalism, America and capitalism and power, like all symbolized by what who was the most powerful white man at the yeah. time, right? So that's the I think that's like like a hammer over the head. That's I, I don't think that's subtle. I don't think what she's doing is subtle at all. The Hester Prince stuff is, is interesting um, because it's, it's like, you know, the Scarlet letter, I think you could probably like probably lends itself mo- foremost to a feminist reading. Um, As made famous by easy. A. Okay. Okay. Uh, shout out. Will Gluck. <laughs> I was like, where does Easy A belong on my list of favorite movies from 2007? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know The Scarlet Letter that well. That is one of those uh, like high school books that I never really got around to, to reading. But I, I don't know. I've never read it. But I think it's like you, you get the vibe of like it's I think it's a very. Like when you when you were when we were a couple episodes ago and you're like, you know what? Frankenstein's about. I'm like, no, I don't. Or Dra- what Dracula's about. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh, like, no, that, that was that wasn't on the episode. That I know, was, I know. But that, yeah. when we were eating or whatever, I'm just like, oh, like. But I feel like with the Scarlet Letter, there are maybe there are more nuanced and deep. I'm sure there are more nuanced and deeper readings. But I feel like there is a very feminist, like even without having read it, you like I understand what this is yeah, about. Yeah, it's like right? the, the the woman is getting in trouble for yes. like you know the, there's piety around yeah. and and she's the victim of of a Correct. bunch of false piety. Right. The story of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that like folds into into Janie's story because Janie is living in a world that hasn't evolved that much since Hester Prynne. Yeah, I guess maybe gotten worse in some ways. Eh, probably not. Probably not. But not <laughs> not gotten a lot better. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. It is, I don't well, know. the other thing you want to talk about uh, uh, Jimmy Carter and Hester Prynne? You, co- you covered both of them. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to the Scarlet oh, Letter. Boy. Oh, boy. Just got to keep reading. Oh, boy. Our next book is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Yeah. Um, today's crime is uh, taking some bleach, throwing it in someone else's laundry at the laundromat. Whoa. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton out of thieves wild cord of my sleeve thick heart of stone my sins my own they belong to me 